Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 355. Um, my name is Scroobius Pip. It's good to have you all here as ever. I had a great chat this week with a guy that I've kind of become most aware of during lockdown. We did a project together. Um, I should introduce him. His name's Raul Coley. We did a project together at the start of uh, the first lockdown. Um, we were both voice actors on a um, audio play podcast thing called North Star Rising. And I started f- following Raul p- properly there and just thoroughly enjoyed him on socials and thoroughly enjoyed kind of finding out more about him. Um, and then The Haunting of Bly Manor came out. I mean, we talk about all of this. Um, I, won't, I won't ramble on too much. But what I will say, though, is talking to Raul made me really realized that I proper want to be in a computer game. <laughs> and, um, like the, the problem is most of the games I play are like your FIFAs and your, your UFC games and stuff like that. I can't be in them. I'm not a fighter or a professional footballer, but role was in like, he, he, he did a gears of war stuff like that. would be amazing. I mean, my ultimate dream is that they really nail a, um, a Warhammer game of some sort a space marines thing and I, I played one a while back and it was all right but it didn't blow me away but a space marines thing would be legit um in fact i'll be in some kind of warhammer any era game and then i'll be in the film as well because that i me and and chris of the drunk cast fame have been saying for years chris said it to me and i've agreed and taken it on the the Warhammer franchise has got to be the next huge movie franchise, right? After Marvel, after your Game of Thrones, they've got so much lore and history and stories. The characters' design and everything is perfect, and so many other films and stuff have been based off that. I don't know why I'm talking about this. I'm basically saying if you're tuning in and you're a game designer, producer, then holler at your boy. I'm up for being in computer games. I want to play with myself. Oh, uh, hang on. Before we <laughs> before we continue, how can I just have spoken about games for like a couple of minutes and my desire to be in a game and not mentioned the game I was in at the weekend? Um, I got to host Netherrap, hashtag Netherrap, which was a rap show in Minecraft organised by B. Dolan. It featured amazing acts like B. Dolan, Kim Dawson, Rob Sonic, Mega Round, Wheelchair Sports Camp, and loads of others. And it was mind-blowing. It's the coolest thing in the world. I'm hoping they do more. Um, you can go and re-watch it. The whole event. I said it's a festival in Minecraft. So if you had tuned in live, then you get to walk around, go from stage to stage. I hosted it and introduced everyone. But you can re-watch and re-experience it on Minecraft. If you On Minecraft? On Twitch. If you head to twitch.tv um, forward slash Dolan official, um, I've put links on and that on my socials. So yeah, if you head there, you, you can watch it. And hopefully, if you enjoy it, then you can tip, put some money in, buy some merch or whatever, and hopefully there'll be more. It's an amazing way to do live gigs in these weird times. And it was insane to be part of. It was honestly the coolest shit. So yeah, anyway... This is episode 355 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with the wonderful Raul Coley.
Go. I'm recording too, and we've got backup Sweet. technology, Sweet. my friend. Right, I, I'm okay. joined today by Raul Coley. How are you, man? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Just uh, out here in Vancouver. Because that was a, a weird yeah. coincidence. The amount of people I'm reaching out to and going, look, I want to get you on, but we're going to have to deal with time difference. I'm in Vancouver, and you came back going, bro, I'm in Vancouver. This is this is. Yeah, easy. I'm like down the road. I'm down the road <laughs> yeah. from you, which is so, so funny. Yeah, that's it, awesome. Literally, I do these creepy pandemic time walks right because you know like when you're shooting they're really strict on you don't g- g- go anywhere and all this kind of thing yeah and not that i'm yeah. that social but i'll just put some headphones on and and where you're staying is one of the places i'll walk to just to see people yeah just, just yeah. to like walk past people in bars and restaurants i'm not going in any i'm staying outside i'm keeping my distance but yeah particularly like as, again as you'll know like when you come to vancouver you've got a quarantine for two weeks so you literally aren't seeing anyone anywhere so yeah i've had this habit of evening walks just kind of looking in the window of bars like some fucking psychopath (laughs) when did you get here i got here i mean now this is dark and long i got here on on, uh, uh, september 23rd um okay then quarantine for two weeks and then yeah it's all been continuing from from london yeah I, i i got here in july Right. End of July, because uh, we started production again in uh, early August. Or, right. Uh, yeah, mid-August. But it was like, because um, up until recently, the the COVID cases in Vancouver have only just started to rise again because yeah. of whatever's ha- been happening. But it was really odd to go from London. Like, I was in LA and then I was in London. And then when I, I did two weeks quarantine, I was like, this is, this is just ugh. And then once those two weeks were up and I went outside, I realized... Oh, Vancouver's like this weird utopia where everyone still wears masks, but they're pretty much getting on with things and it's not as bad out here. So for the the last few months, I've sort of, I keep forgetting when I'm like, I'm going to say to my mum, you know, we'll just go Starbucks. And it's so alien to them back in London. They're like, what way? You can go where? Because this, obviously they've been up and running for a lot longer now. Yeah. But, um. It looks like they, they're having to pull the restrictions again, unfortunately. But it's but. it's interesting, man, because the thing that's blown me away being out of the UK and out of America mm. is just being in a country where people aren't moaning about it. Like, that sounds kind of harsh. And yeah, yeah. I do think the government in Canada and, sadly, the people are handling all of this a lot better. And that's going to annoy certain people listening, particularly as it's coming from the white person rather than the brown person so they can't just tell me to go back to my own country if I don't like it <laughs> but it's literally just true. watching the way the UK have reacted and compared to Canada it seems that like with the two-week quarantine everyone was like oh how do they enforce it and this and that and there is enforcement but in general people just do it because it's what's necessary and it's what's needed and it made me realize Absolutely. how mad it is that we have measures being put out to deal with a pandemic where thousands hundreds of thousands millions of people are dying and the response is yeah but who's going to make me like, who's, who's yeah. going to enforce it who's going to it's yeah. like, just wear and a the mask thing I man. it's not it's the not thing that I noticed as well we're so fucking arrogant as brits right mm. one of the things i noticed was american bashing yeah and even i did it to a certain degree which was we're better than them look at these fucking idiots 
Look yeah. how stupid they are. Look at their look who they've elected. Look at all this stuff. And then you see them anti of course they had anti maskers. Of course they would run into Target in America and scream in, in some yeah. poor retail, you know, some 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 kid working there because they have to wear a mask. And then we in, in the in the UK point our fingers from across the Atlantic and we're like, look how fucking crazy they are, and then do the same shit. Because they exactly are the same. the same shit. There's no difference. The accent changes. Yeah, they're a little bigger. Americans, they're a little bit louder. But the mentality is exactly the same. And that whole, like, make me, my rights, yeah. my fr- it's insane. Whereas, like, Canada, this ship, this place went on lockdown immediately. Yeah. That was it. Done. If you was, had family I, in the US, fucking who cares? You're done. I was out here and filming then, and, then, and I had to get a plane home. Like, I was filming on a Friday night. I was same. on a plane home Saturday afternoon because it was like, right. Oh, so Otherwise, we'd have been the same time then. Was that March yeah. 13th? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was doing the table read for Midnight Mass, and they were like, we're going for a two-week lockdown in Canada. Same day I got Get on out. a plane to LA, and then I hung <laughs> out there, which was, which was worse. I was better off staying in Vancouver, to be honest. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah they, they locked this place down, and that's why they were able to like get certain productions up again and stuff, because they just locked it in, and no one's... yeah screaming about their rights to it's, it's, not wear a mask. It's mad, because it's exactly that. The UK and America, historically, are seen as these wonderful, strong and powerful nations. And this pandemic, from viewing them from the outside, they've looked like the weakest and most pathetic, because they're making such yeah. a big deal out of minor inconveniences. Like, again, they talk talk about blitz spirit and stuff like that. It's like... You, you, you're having to wear a mask to go in shops. That's all. And wash your hands. And you can't have parties for... Like, again, it's that mad thing of all the people annoyed that we might be mi- missing Christmas in the UK this year. It's like, yeah, 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 it's because yeah. you couldn't not go to the beach for one summer. Yeah, exactly. One summer. It's not that big a deal. There's regular reasons to not have a holiday. Yeah, you prolong this shit. By not getting on board with the program. And it kills me as well, because, like, the fuckers that go into retail... I watched someone... Actually, I did watch someone do it here in, in a Best Buy and was complaining about wearing a mask. Yeah. Do you know those people who work in the shop? You know they're wearing them for eight hours a day so you can yeah. go and buy your batteries? Yeah. Like, they're in it. N95s. And I wear an N95... You wear an N95 on set. I'm, yeah. I'm sure yeah, you yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That shit, especially with beards, that shit's uncomfortable for, for longer than four minutes. Yeah. But we do it because like we want to film, we want to get on with it, get our jobs done. And safely. And these and we want to get, and safely. get on with it safely for everyone, yeah. Absolutely. And we're also, you know, I don't want to make any assumptions, but you know, in the industry we're in, we, we, you know, we're compensated fairly well for the job that we do. And even yeah. then it's uncomfortable. Those fuckers work for minimum wage. Yeah. They wear and they're doing it to barely make rent. And they're wearing it for eight to ten hours a day, picking up multiple shifts. And then these fuckers who have to go in there just to buy some fruit can't do it for five minutes because they can't breathe. It's insane. Yeah. And I think I think what's going to be the ripple effect of this, because there will be, I'm optimistic, there will be a vaccine. And we will return yeah, to some so. normality. And But what we're going to do is, it's much like there's going to be a ripple effect of looking at people you know, friends and family, and go, do you remember when you acted like a fucking cunt about the COVID? Do you remember when you were kicking and screaming because you wanted to go to the beach? during the pandemic. I think it says a lot about certain people's character. I've seen I've, some people have really disappointed me. I'm the and same. It's like, man. That I, doesn't I, affect me. I, I had to take some time off social media because it wasn't the news reports of these 
faceless people at a beach or whatever else. It was seeing people that I know are good people, either going to a beach or going to a pub or whatever else, and posting about it. And it just, it was making me think differently of people that I really care about. And I was like, this is shit. This is genuinely really uncomfortable. And I don't know, it's mad. I I think I've kind of had a belief for a long time on a lot of things. And people get annoyed at me on here every now and then because I won't have politicians on. I'll I'll happily talk about politics, but I've got to a point where I used to be very politically active on marches, yeah. going door to door, this kind of thing. I've got songs that get used in protests still to this day. But then I've got to a point where I've realised that the key for me is to live my life the way I feel it should be lived and try not to look at others too much or... It's impossible to not, like not pass judgment, right? It's impossible yeah, yeah, not yeah. to, but my realization is the realities I've come to and the realizations of what is right have come to me under completely different circumstances to a, a single mum in Blackpool. Sure. You know, you know, the different things that have influenced her to come to her beliefs are very different to mine. So Absolutely. it's not fair for me to sit there and go, you fucking idiots. You should have known better. Mm-hmm. And again, there's a, there's a bit of that that's completely natural, you know. <laughs> sure. But it's that it's trying to come to terms with the fact every time I see someone who I feel is making such a selfish or such an ignorant choice, I have to go, right, but I've got to where I am because of the opportunities that have been there for me or whatever else. So, yeah, yeah. to try not to make no, that No, you're, you're absolutely right much. because the truth of the matter is it's, it's not black and white and there are... I'm sure there are valid reasons why people, some people can't get on board and why some people have had to, you know, and I'm not, and again, I'm not even one to, to pass judgment. Like I saw, I saw when Kim Kardashian was the roast of the week because she flew all her friends to a private island Yeah, because she needed to get away from, you know, the pandemic and she was getting roasted. And even I, and I, I get the eat the rich mentality. At some point I was like, well, hold on, hold on. All right. Everyone just chill the fuck out for a second. Don't lie. If you had the ability, if I had the ability to take <laughs> mum and dad yeah. to the Bahamas with a few and do it safely, all expenses paid, so that my family can have a break from whatever the fuck, I'd have done it. I'd have done it. You'd have done it. Everyone would have done it in a heartbeat. Or, what she even, shouldn't have done was post not publicly because that's yeah, tone deaf. That's exactly it. Even not even going that far, from this industry, there'll be a few people you've worked with who are pretty big deals yeah. and pretty big names. If one of them hit you up and said, look, mate, I've got this thing going on. I can get you all tested. Are you up for it? I'd be jumping at it. Not even if it was me having the power to do it for my friends and family. Yeah. If a few of my celebrity mates were like, look, we've rented a fucking island. Do you know what I mean? Let's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd be all over that. But again, it as is, long as it was, as long as it was safe and tested and yeah. you're, and you, and you have that option to do it. Cool. But, it's it's the it's the part where if you get on your soapbox and decide to think that everyone on social media needs to hear about your fucking private escape to an island. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? While people are still, you know, they don't have money for groceries, then you you should expect to get clapped back for that kind of it's, tone deaf. It's the amount you know. of of tones that you have been deaf to to get to that point. You've had to wade through mm-hmm. so many deafening tones Absolutely. to get there. I had Absolutely. a mate who sent me a picture of some food they'd just made and they were really excited. Like, I've just made this meal, blah, blah. I'm about to post it on Instagram. And I said, look, they've just announced that the government in the UK aren't going to pay for kids to school have dinners, school yeah. dinners. So don't. And they were like, shit, you're 100% right. Hadn't, uh, But that was it. That was that could have been an innocent mistake. That It's not like they've got tons of followers, so it wouldn't have gone down badly. But it was sure. like, look, 
this ain't the time. But to be this deep into a pandemic and to have had to have your friends isolate for several weeks and do all of these different things, you're aware that people are struggling. And Absolutely. This isn't the thing is, do you, the, the, the first, the first sort of red, like canary in the mind for where people with social media following should have paid attention was my favorite thing that, that, that happened this year was Gal Gadot's Imagine. Yeah, man. That came out within the first week of us going in. Maybe it took a weekend of that lockdown. And by Monday, Tuesday, Gal and her pals and co-stars sung Imagine to everyone. And they had no idea what the response was going to be like. But that straight away sent a shockwave to everyone to be like, shut your fucking mouth right now. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make videos from your mansion talking about isolation. We know that you're uh, above the line. We know that you're in a place of privilege. That's fine. You built that. You did, you know, we understand everyone has their own journey. I was a working class kid, but I'm absolutely afforded privileges now because of what I do that I didn't have before. Yeah. Just shut the fuck up about them this year. Just shut up. That's all. Just shut up. That's all you got to do. No one's trying to take from you. They just don't need you to right now jump on and talk about. But then at the same time, we also know people who are above the line, who yeah. are just, they are allowed to be depressed. They are allowed to feel scared. They are. My father suffers from COPD. What is COPD? That's a chronic, uh, chronic pulmonary, uh, pul pulmonary disease. Right. So it's like a very, very extreme type of like, it's a respiratory illness. Yeah. Almost similar to lung cancer in a way. But yeah, so he's a, he's you know so COVID for him is a death sentence. That is a that is a silver bullet for my dad. So the second it came out, and it was like if you've got asthma, if you've got this, if you've got that, you are high risk to the max. Yeah. And you know, I, they, we don't. I'm not that successful where I can. I've got him held up in a, a mansion in the Bahamas. They're just still in the same. We're still in the same area we grew up in. Yeah. Even though I, you know, have Star Wars toys and lightsabers and. You know, I'm all I'm in, I'm in LA and I'm on TV. I'm I was so scared that my I'm going to lose my dad and not be able to attend his funeral. Like these things were just normal yeah. fears. I so like I understand like there's no one's trying to tell you no no one's trying to police that. I think that whether you're you know a multimillionaire or whether you like everyone can still be affected by the pandemic and stuff. But you have to be a little bit more respectful in the fact that you have to recognize your own privilege and go. I am scared. This yeah. is a scary time to be around. This is tough for whatever reason, whether it be your travel, your family, your, your financial situations, whatever. Just don't fucking, you just don't need to right now try and get sympathy from us. This isn't the time to talk about your, jump on your own soapbox. There are yeah. people out there that are or, way worse off. Or, or feel that you can be the saviour. Of, of of the people who are struggling and and, and yeah. it's all right i've got you guys sorted. this is it's what like, they need to hear is, right now they need this tweet need. shut the exactly. fuck up but i mean that's what i've tried to do what, a, 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 another thing and i want to there's loads of things i want to get into but one thing that mm. i made a note of because we lined this up just after we both realized that we were both here also for the election which was yeah. a, a madness in and of itself. But the <laughs> yeah. thing that really struck me about being here for it was the coverage I watched was the best election coverage I've ever seen in my life. And I made a note of it. It was it was CBC News, and they opened up their election coverage. And again, it's on election night where it's coming in, different votes are coming in and whatever. Yeah. And they said at the yeah. start, look, we've got a source who are giving us details on what 
has gone through and what is can be added to either side. But we're going to wait until three other stations have confirmed that. And they said, because this is really important and it's about being r- right. It's not about being first. First, yeah. And to hear that on the news, again, particularly the way the British and American news coverage has gone from just... We need to be at the front. We need to be, be commenting as Absolutely. early as possible and all this. To see a news station on the biggest story of the year, let's be frank. Oh, no, no. I mean, I can't outdo the pandemic, actually. On one yeah, of the biggest the stories of the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. To sit there and go, look, it's not about being first. It's about b- b- being right. That blew me away. And I would mm. love the UK, America, and all sorts of other places to, to start to take that, that to approach that and that outlook. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't get to watch any coverage, but but um, yeah, that that's been a learning experience since moving over to this side. I thought our media was biased and played with us, and then I came over here and I was like, I came to America. I was like, holy shit, you guys have no chance. Yeah, no wonder, no wonder you you know you're afraid of brown people with beards after what you've been pumped since nine eleven. Like, yeah, Jesus, uh, you know. But the mad thing yeah, is with it, America is it's it's become now a race on both sides of it so yeah the news football teams the, the, the left news that i would support and want to watch is equally just trying to confirm things on their side as quickly as possible and Absolutely. and back things up like i was guilty of it i remember b- being here in march and hearing yeah. that trump was gonna cl- close the borders because of the pandemic yeah. and i was like yeah typical racist trump it's bullshit. And to, in my defence, he had said we're closing it to Asian countries, to Muslim. He hadn't said to the UK and Europe where it was blowing Correct. up. So there was a little bit yeah. of it. But still, my first thought was, you racist prick. And then looking back, you're kind of looking going, everyone should have closed their borders qu- quicker. It should have been a faster thing. So it is. there's that confirmation yeah. bias on either side. But it's a shame when that comes on your news channels and on your on the way that you're consuming this stuff. Absolutely. And I definitely felt the same way too. I think when, when, when it was like, you know, we're banning China, we're doing this, we're doing this. And it was like, of course you are. What a wonderfully <laughs> convenient opportunity to, to do that. Not realizing that, holy fuck, every country needs to quickly stop this as fast as they can. And, but it and, should have been worldwide. It shouldn't have been pit cherry picking which countries yeah, are allowed. And, it should have been both stopped can be right. together. It, it, it could be a racist choice and it should have happened. <laughs> Yeah, just yeah, by chance, that's what a broken clock. Yeah, you we know, is put right. that past him. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I mean, speaking of those channels, we've got to talk about your new following. After a tweet <laughs> of yours was was put on, <laughs> uh, 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 was it on Fox News? It was on Fox News. I still haven't seen it. It was the funniest shit, man. I was on set. <laughs> was it two days ago? And. Uh, I was just chilling. I was just chilling in the chairs, and uh, I went onto my Twitter and refreshed my mentions or notifications. And it's the funniest shit. I wish you could have seen it through my eyes. What was before I left was like choke me, daddy. Um, <laughs> I want to suck you off, and all this crap that was on my. And I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Go home, curry, and what the fuck? Go back to your own fucking country. And I was like, what did I do? <laughs> How did that just shift? I've only been at work. Like, I'm not, I know I hadn't tweeted anything. I was like, where the fuck did this come from? So I'm just going through and I'm I'm getting hot and prickly, like this fight or flight mode. I'm like, you know, I'm getting attacked now. And it's just like being at a pub or something. Someone said something. You know, you get that feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what what those, that that, that kind of talk does on social media. I'm like, 
I start getting a bit like, oh shit, I'm being attacked. Like, who do yeah. I fight? Yeah. And I'm still refreshing it. It's more like, you know, fuck off, you go back, you're liberal, this, terrorist, that. And then at some point, at one point I refreshed, it was someone who took a screenshot of Fox News and boom, my tweet was right there uh, with the headline that we're, you know, trying to cancel Katy Perry. Yeah, so explain that. Katy Perry had basically done a tweet saying, look, be gentle with your Trump-supporting relatives and things like that in, in, in this right. time. And you'd responded saying, no, essentially. Because, yeah. like, again, quite rightfully, those a lot of those people have made so many people of all different races and genders and sexualities feel unsafe. For many years Absolutely. now, and feel marginalised and feel attacked. So, as you put it beautifully, they should be coming to us apologetically rather than the other way round. You right. know, and so, I get that. So I completely understand it. I, she, I know that Katy Perry uh, is a, a a big public Democratic supporter, mm-hmm. and I didn't see any harm with her tweets, and I don't. I didn't have a hot take and it wasn't a cancel culture. Let's roast this chick for what she said. It, nothing. All it was, was her, her notion of reach out to your family. Tell, and it was, I think it was tell them it's going to be okay. That's what kind of got me. Cause what is, what are we, what is Biden going to do? Are, are white people in middle America going to be rounded up now and put in cages? What, what, yeah. is, what are the stakes for you with this administration apart from affordable healthcare? Like what is it that you're gonna you're gonna suffer from? Maybe us celebrating too hard and being arrogant—that's always a possibility. But outside of that, you're gonna be all right. And it was this idea that you should reach out to these people, to your family members who voted for Trump, and show them love and tell them it's going to be okay. And then the last part of it was, you know, call 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 your family today. All right. My issue was cool. I get it. What a wonderful, you're a wonderfully forgiving person. And what a, a, love is always a great message to, to spread. However, voting for Trump in the first term, I completely am okay with. I get it. This guy came along, fucked around with everyone's expectations of what it was to be a politician, said some crazy shit. It was almost a troll vote in a way. Yeah. I know a lot of people weren't super happy with Hillary anyway. And it was almost like, fuck it, what if we do? What if we just set everything on fire? Yeah. And it worked. Cool. Did you know how bad it was going to be? I don't know. But when you voted for him for his second term, when 70 million showed up, when I'm, when this man not a few weeks ago wouldn't condemn white supremacy, mm-hmm. you don't get to play ignorant. You do not get to play ignorant to those yeah. politics. That is a dangerous, dangerous person. And the and the and the and the hate uh, telling them to to stand by, yeah, you know, encouraging voter suppression, encouraging intimidation at the polls, already letting us know in advance. This is how brazen this man is. He is going to claim voter fraud before frauds happened. Yeah, he's telling us, yeah. "I'm gonna do this. <laughs> I'm not leaving." Right? right? The very yeah. the, the, the the very foundations of having a, a, a democracy. I'm going to to take away and question and strip and cause mistrust in a, in a, in, a, in a system that this country is is built on. Yeah. And you want me to go and reach out to friends or family who voted for someone that 
to be honest, their politics, the stakes were marginalized groups, immigrants, people of color, sexuality, yeah, LGBTQ, able, you know, so many LGBTQ plus yeah. people with disabilities. You had you 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 had policy and you spread rhetoric that put their lives in danger. I think you don't get to play you don't get to play ignorant on that one. What you need to be doing right now is you need to be packing up your own fucking Confederate flags and showing some form of remorse for what you did. Yeah. And where the left, not even the left, where anyone else who didn't vote for Trump, where being the bigger person is, is accepting that. That's the difference. It's not about us going up first and saying, hey, you you know, you vote, you know, you voted for a guy that, you know, said there was good people on both sides. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Why don't you put your own shit away, take your own MAGA caps off, reflect on what you did and why why people feel a certain way towards yourself or your politics and reach out to your kids instead and yeah. mend the bridge of your family. It's then up to... If we slap your hand away, that could be seen as slightly... That's, to me, not in the vein of love. Yeah. The vein of love is going, all right, cool. Let's let's start a dialogue again. Yeah. So that's all it was. Not cancel Katie. And then there was another tweet underneath that was like, totally respect her life choices. Totally respect whatever she, her environment that she grew up in and her whatever led to, like we spoke about, about not passing judgment. Yeah. Understand that. Just feel differently about the approach. Fox News doesn't show the bottom part, shows the top part, doesn't show the engagement of the tweet. And boom, brown man comes for wonderful American pop singer. Um <laughs> And, you know, I got scared because I was like, what happens now? <laughs> um, and what happened was my peers and people I work for high-fived and was like, fuck yeah. He right. got on, he, he, you're doing something right. If the Daily Mail or Fox News calls you a cunt, yeah. I think you're doing all right. Yeah. Oh, ge- genuine question. How was work the rest of that day? Because that kind of shit is going to pull you out of... Of 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 work, like g- g- genuinely, as an actor, as someone who has to be it's playing true. a character, it's weird shit. Weirdly, I'm, I'm, it, it I'm, I'm weird perfectly. with my phone. I'm weird with my phone at times on set because yeah. I worry if I get t- too into it, they're sure. then going to go. Oh, we need you now, and I'm going to be like, oh shit, I'm I'm lost in, in social media. I'm not where I Absolutely. need to be. But that's the kind of thing that you could just glance at and go, oh shit, my, my mind's gone now. Yeah. Well, weirdly, without going into anything. It aligned with what I needed to do, what I was feeling. Amazing. I love it. And when the show comes out, I'll tweet you about it if you see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, go, yeah. that was the day that the Fox News happened. You'll understand that I was like, oh, I could use this. This is this fine. Is perfect. Um, just that feeling, <clears throat> that vulnerability and that that fear. So it was it was fine. But like, I think my co-stars worried more. Yeah. My co-stars were like, uh-oh. The, the tweets that I was getting was upsetting them. Yeah. And, the, you know, the, the straight up racism of it. I'm a little bit numb to it. I'm like, what else have you got to say? Like, when I was in London, I got fucking spat on and called a packy and all this shit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what do you think the tweet's going to do? I had that to my face on the football yeah. pitch. So you tell him, some American telling me to go home and get out of their country while I'm in Canada doesn't really do much <laughs> for me. I've also been accused of, like, the Brits. When I, when I called Boris Johnson a cunt, I got tweeted a bunch of shit by Brits telling me to go home. I'm not home. I got I got tweeted a bunch of shit telling me that they hate Americans getting involved in British politics. 
it's it, you know what I mean? There's no consistency with it. it. So as long as it's not I people I know, it. the second I know people who, who who call me out, who know me and go, you're wrong, you're this, it doesn't mean shit to me. You can say yeah. what you want. It doesn't bother me. I love, Some guy, I love the idea that they're trying to tell you to get out of their country. Not only are you not in their country, but if you popped to, to their country, you'd have to quarantine for two weeks to get the dirt off before b- before returning <laughs> in the country that you're in. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. I it, Patriotism is such an interesting thing to me. And I think being a person who... I'll never understand patriotism. I am proud. I do I do lean into being a proud Englishman sometimes. I do. I do love our eccentricities and I love some of the stereotypes that are associated with being. It's funny. You know, when I when I'm in a mood, I am a Brit abroad. I do yeah. want to smash the place up and puke and piss my pants and and I can and then you do like yeah, we're we're bad. And then there's other times where I do lean into the James Bond idea of what it is to be an Englishman. Yeah. But being Indian even my, my parents aren't from India, so we're we're quite. I was going to say, removed. what was your upbringing like? Because you're from London, your parents are also from London, right? No, nah, so my, my dad's my dad's from Kenya. From Kenya, oh, right. And he, yeah, he emigrated with my gran when he was right. like eight years old to London. So he went. He was pretty much by primary school. He was in like British education. Yeah, yeah. My yeah, mum yeah. was a bit later, but my mum was in Thailand. Right. So she was born and raised in Thailand. We're all Indian, but she was born and raised in Thailand. She did. Uh, she went to. She was sent to boarding school uh, in India to like an international school, so it's where she learned English and all, yeah. all that stuff. But then when she was about, I don't know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, or whatever, she she came to the UK, and then they met Man, a few years later. I mean, it, it it makes the go back to where you come from comments even more complicated. It's like, yo, if you can help <laughs> me figure out where. We've, we've, yeah. we've, we've, we were they were it's wild. my parents were born here we're from there we've lived here yeah well even the Indian thing's confusing because like I'm only just now, I've had to be a little bit more I've had to get my details right a bit more because the spotlight's on me because yeah. I never had to think about any of this shit I was all I was was I was Indian yeah but I was born and raised in London so that, that's that's it's all I know it. but now that I'm like you know I was talking about this in a previous interview. I now have been bestowed upon the responsibility of representing two billion people. Yeah, because uh, there's a great pride when, when uh, again, you see it in sport, you see it in, in Absolutely. TV and film, in all these things, when someone is achieving outside of the community or outside of the, the area or nation, then it's there's this great pride. So it's a confusing thing, I'd imagine, for, for you, because you very much feel like you're achieving in your community, in the community you've always known, but you have this responsibility to absolutely. You did not, and no one asked for that. And like, like I, I've got, I, I accidentally put my, you know, put my foot in it a few times with how I've spoken about. I've my seen relationship you, you, to like, you, you piss some people off on on social media I do because piss of it. Because and that's the thing as well. It's like, oh, sorry, go on. No, no, or just because people have asked you to speak uh, Hindi or. Or or, or, yeah. or whatever else, and and you don't, and it's a really awkward one because it's in a way, it's r- r- racist to bestow that upon you. It's not racist because racism is is sure, yeah, yeah. But it, no, it's they're, they're, yeah, it's structural. So it's it's interesting, man. Because like, firstly, I feel sorry because f- I'm I I'm not the role model you want 
And if anyone follows you on social media, they'll be like, I don't think you guys want him out there. He's, he's a fucking idiot. He starts fights. He's just, I'm just having a good time and I'm, I'm just enjoying being an actor and, and, and that's it. Like, I'm not really thinking on a bigger sense about, you know, maybe I should stop saying the C word because there are young kids who look at, but then maybe I shouldn't because you should also be who you want and express yourself the way you should. So I haven't figured all of that shit out yet, but the Bollywood stuff's a really good example of why I'm having to represent something. And okay. So I got asked a lot, right? Like, and I get, I've been getting this since I, since I became an actor, but like, when are you going to do Bollywood? Now, I got asked that on a Q&A on Instagram and I basically, all I did was, right, I allowed the time of the Instagram story to almost expire and just as I knew it had half a second left before and I would just sit there with this blank expression, I was about to scream no. So you just got the no, right? (laughs) And then that was the end of it. That was me answering it. And I got fucking set upon. I got so many Indians because of, the haunting of blind manor had been it was a bit of a hit in india yeah you filthy bastard fucking bastard this 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 all in my dms and i was like oh shit okay and i never got a chance to express this to them but i'm not from india so one of the things that i have to try and like navigate now is i've never been part of a majority if you're indian and you live in india you're the majority you're not a minority you might be when you go on holiday, but that's your world. Me, I'm a minority. When mm. I went to school, at high school, there were like four of us. So we have a different, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little different. And it was an, there was an element of survival there. So the more Indian, you, the, the, the further you could distance yourself from your culture, the more you could fit in, the less of a target you were. It's very simple. Yeah. It's just, and a lot of people who are immigrants and... <clears throat> second generation, et cetera, et cetera. They've experienced that. So I'm not saying anything new. What What is different is I studied theatre. So I left school, dropped out, and then I joined drama school and I was studying basically just classical theatre and, you know, doing Shakespeare and all this sorts of stuff, all the all the usual stuff that you would do in the UK or London if you wanted to become a, a, th- a stage actor. And, you know, during that time, Bollywood was used against me as a way to demean me, to discredit me, to say, mm. you're not good enough. So that would be, that could be weaponized. It was a way to mock, to, to make my goal seem like, you know what I mean? So I've done just as much work as everyone else. I've got just as much training. I'm just as talented as everyone in this room. We've all had the same opportunity, but for some reason I'm being told, oh yeah, what Bollywood? And it's a way to demean me. It's a way to, yeah. to discredit me. And I've had that, I had that happen to fucking immigration when I was doing haunting up here and I was flying back to LA on the weekends, right? I got up to the immigration, the customs officer, and, and I gave him my British passport and inside is my US visa. And I'm in Canada. And he goes, what's your special ability? Because that's what the, the visa is. It's that O one one special yeah, ability yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. And I went, I went, I'm an actor. And he went, yeah, Hollywood or Bollywood? And I knew he was fucking with me. And yeah. I was like, and I've got this all my life. And I was like, it's Hollywood. Up, man. Yeah. I told it, I said Hollywood. And he went, Hollywood. <laughs> and I was just like, and then and again, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way to make me feel small. It's a way yeah. to diminish my achievements and stuff. And then, so to me, you say Bollywood, slur, right there. 
then the show comes out in India and Bollywood ain't a slur to India. It's a yeah. compliment. It's celebrated. And I got inundated with Bollywood comments. My own personal relationship is attack, 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 attack. Yeah. And then when I got it, it wasn't. It came from a place of, of, of celebration. And I hadn't made the adjustment. And I still haven't made the adjustment. So when I hear it, I got my fists up again, like I have done since I was 18. Um, and that's where I got myself in a bit of trouble with with the Indian community in India because they wouldn't know that. They don't realize that that thing you love is mocked over here by a yeah. lot of people. Yeah. The same goes for curry. It's the same shit, man. Curry yeah. is delicious. It's one of my yeah. favorite foods. I wouldn't eat it until I was about 18 because I was like, ah, fuck that. I don't eat that shit. I'll, I'll have some <laughs> chicken nuggets or a shepherd's pie. They don't know that food here is what is used as a slur against yeah. you. Yeah. So, so what was your up, upbringing like in London then? Was was what, Did you always know early on that you wanted to be an actor or, or you wanted to go into entertainment in some way? Or you mentioned football yeah. earlier. Was, were there other things that, were, that had your eye? I immediately gravitated towards video games and film and like comic book culture and stuff. But I think the first kind of job I really thought I was going to go into was I thought I was going into the video game industry. That's what, that's yeah. what I thought. And and not so much on the programming side, um, more so on the art side. I was pretty, pretty good as at art, maybe doing awesome. concept art or, yeah. or 3d modeling, any of that stuff that, that kind of interested me. Um, but then, and that was like at eight years old, seven years. Like I was, I was, yeah, somewhere around there. And then my dad saw me, got me, Star Wars trilogy on VHS for my like 11th or 12th birthday. And then I was like, change of plan. My whole life changed in, <laughs> in like two sittings to watch yeah. Empire. I watched Star Wars and Empire. And then the next one I watched Jedi and that whatever path that was on just went bang. And it went straight, to, straight into Star Wars. So the next plan was, all right, I want to be a part of this world. So I think at first I was looking at visual effects. I was like, ILM became the place. So at first it was LucasArts. Now it's ILM. Like maybe I'll go into visual effects, which led me into like media production. And then I was directing at school and doing short film. I got in front of the camera for one of my short films. And then I was like, oh, this fits. This fits nicer. This fits nicer than anything. And then I went to drama school. So that's how that kind of all came around. So it, I was always, I was getting into like video game, film territory. And then it was behind the camera from for a lot of it until it became in front of the camera. So that's kind of how that happened. I love that. And I, I always love going on IMDb because <laughs> I've had, I've sat with Michael Fassbender to all sorts yeah. of others and all of them have got, either the Bill Holby or EastEnders <laughs> on there somewhere. Yeah. And I, I love that shit. It's, I, I'm, I'm gutted that a lot of them had kind of stopped like when I've moved into acting because it's yeah, I've missed yeah, that kind of done. training ground as such and casualty yeah. and things like that. It was, there were all these, these regular ones. But what I want to ask is when you kind of made the move to America, because – one of the first people I had on this podcast when I started it was Riz Ahmed, and I've known Riz for years. And oh, he convinced nice. me, it was him and a few others that convinced me to move into acting because he always knew I was a massive t t film and TV nerd. I loved it. In all my music videos, I'd always direct them and have like stories going yeah. on and shit. 
But Riz said really <coughs> early on that he l- started to look to America because in the UK, number one, we're obsessed with period stuff, which didn't have a lot of roles for brown people because yeah. of the empire. And we don't talk about the fucking blood that it was built on. Um, Absolutely. And then he was getting either t- terrorist or hoodie. And then he went to America and he was getting all these amazing varied r- roles. And it's not knowing what made your choices, l- l- looking at your career, s- seeing iZombie and Supergirl and things <coughs> like this. It's like you're getting roles that aren't based on the colour of your skin. And right. so, yeah. so was that a conscious choice or did that kind of just fall into pl- to place like that and you ran with it? So firstly, Riz, who I don't know personally, I want him to know, out. I want to put out there in the universe that like he opened a lot of doors, 100%. a lot of doors. I had him um, on just before, no, no, it was even, in fact, he hadn't done Star Wars yet, I think, but speaking to him privately, I think it wasn't on the podcast. He was saying that, the main, other than just being excited to be in Star Wars, the thing that yeah. was so important to him was when he grew up, he didn't have any toys at Christmas that looked like him. And yeah. him being in Star Wars meant that there would be. And all these yeah. these young kids in the UK, imagine if the impact that Star Wars had on you as a kid. Imagine if there were also people in there who looked like you, you and you could relate yeah, to absolutely. more and associate with it. Mind blowing, absolutely. And but yes, he's done a lot. I, I felt right? the same thing when when my Gears of War character came out, and I yeah. realised that you could play as a uh, uh, as a brown guy with a British accent in multiplayer. Amazing, and like, and it's not a terrorist. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah, oh, because yeah, yeah, you can yeah. play that. You could do that on COD all day long, right? You could just play as the, the <laughs> Middle Eastern side. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, like, so yeah, so Riz. Funny enough, with Riz, he wouldn't he wouldn't know this, but. I went up for everything that Riz booked. So it was like, you'd go, fucking course Riz Ahmed got it. He was this like faceless enemy that, that, you know, was, was at the top of the food chain for us anyway. Yeah. 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 Um, But I think I saw him in four lions. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah. Pay respects, man. The guy's a fucking beast. He's great. That performance Um, is massively underrated because the subtleties that he had to put in to be likeable the others considering what he was doing yeah the others got to be idiots and that's what made it funny it's like they're idiots oh we can laugh at them he had to be likeable considering he's playing a terrorist not long after all this stuff has gone on and it's yeah it's a beast of a no it's fun yeah it was it was fantastic and i i just became a huge fan of his but um i didn't i didn't actually look to america I, I kind of was was kind of had a stale didn't really get started in in Britain for me so when I got out of drama school I was like 21 22 and I got a I got like a agent or whatever and all I could really book for 8 years was commercials I did all right with commercials so like I did a Champions League one that got me a little bit of money which I spent within a month and I got like, I did Envirophone, you know, got an old mobile, all of that, that recycling phone stuff. I got Subway, Rubicon mango juice, that stuff. I was like, I I became the, I was, I was killing it in the, in the, in the commercial game. (laughs) Getting a line of dialogue on a, on a, on a UK show was a, was a completely, a completely different kettle of fish. And Mm. 
I think Holby came first, and that was a big deal because, like you said, it's a rite of passage, right? You got to everyone's got to get your Holby or your casualty or your EastEnders yeah. under your belt. So I got the Holby under my belt, and it went well. And I was like, "Well, that's nice. All right, I I can I can get this far. That's cool." And then I got EastEnders, which was another one episode, tiny like three lines, and I, and and that came a year later. But that was it. Outside right. of that, I was fucking dead. And I, I was getting, I was turning 28 and I was like, how many more years? That's eight, seven to eight years have gone by now. How much longer do I give this before I knock it on the head? Because this ain't going anywhere in the UK. And nothing I do is, is, is opening any doors. It's mm. done. I had a really bad audition. It just went terribly. I, I felt I was treat. we were treated like cattle. I especially was targeted by the casting director and I was a bit, in, I was in a mood and I called up my agent that night. And I was like, I'm fucking done. Don't ever send me to this shit ever again. It's so disrespectful. It's like I'm wasting their time. Yeah. Just by being there. They were like, we'll talk about, well, let's talk about it. Don't do anything rash. We'll talk. We have a, an audition for you for a pilot for iZombie. They're looking for Asian actors. And I was like, whatever, send me the script. And then out of some weird anger, I just worked on that, that script for the weekend. I went in on a Monday and put myself on tape. Booked it by Friday as one of the lead roles. That was it. Amazing. And then I was in a pilot for American TV. And there were, there were like stages I was supposed to, like everyone on that show pretty much, you know, you have to do screen tests and then you have to do director's workshops and you have to do a network test. There's so many of these extra little steps that they put in when yeah. you're doing a pilot to get all the suits involved. Rob Thomas saw my tape and had me leapfrog everything. Oh, wow. And show me, show me in one week more trust than that in than the British industry showed me in my entire career. I was going to say because they're all all points where because of your experience in the industry, you're going to assume that's where it's going to fail. Absolutely. And I've had a few like that that I've got that they're like, you've pretty much got it, but they just have to check with this person. And, and every time yeah. I'm like, I ain't got it. That ain't happening. Yeah. And then yeah, when that clicks, it's through, always a bridesmaid, isn't it? You, yeah, you yeah. always feel like the bride. You're always you're always in the last five. But you're yeah. never in the last one. And, and that just happened. So one minute I'm like, you know, within, I'm in the same week I'm talking about being fucking done with this shit. I'm sick and tired of doing UK casting. I'm sick and tired of walking around Leicester Square with my GPS trying to find some fucking office somewhere that I've got to stand there and then be apologetic because I wasted their time with my shit audition. Hanging and I'm doing this for like I'm, Handing it out a spotlight, yeah, with the same people who like to tell you they'll go for no, no one asks. They'll go, uh, do you know what time? Uh, do you know how long this is going to be? They'll ask you, do you know how long yeah. this is going to be? Well, I don't know. I just got here. We're both actors, yeah, but I've got yeah. another audition. Oh, have you? Oh, thanks Good. for sharing that, mate. I'm, I'm glad Good you've got to you, two mate. auditions. Yeah, that nonsense, dude. It I literally put clothes show on for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is the exactly. only reason I'm dressed at the moment. Yeah, Cheers, I brushed. The only reason I brushed my teeth is because I had an audition. Otherwise, yeah. I'd still be at home. But like, um, <laughs> I'd love to do a TV show, write a TV show about fucking the UK casting scene. It's just like anyway, in the waiting um, room of a casting office, it'd be yeah, that'd dudes, be amazing. I've had like some of the stuff said to me during like commercial casting. Commercial castings are the most brutal. They're just like, why are you doing that with your face? You go, because they don't care. They don't, you know what yeah. I mean? That's what they're like. They're like, stop doing, like, what? I've never Another one went, as I, I had to wait three hours to do this commercial once. And they, the, the facility, the room that they hired, whatever, the generic, you know, the ones, right? In London. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes it's residential. And then it, yeah. 
that's someone's apartment. But <laughs> the that's residential also won't throw me massively because right? like, this isn't the place, is it? This is just there's the a front bike door. in the hallway that you're working, and then there's like yeah. someone's like there's toys for kids. Oh, and a no, there's a jug of water. It is the right place. It is there. Yeah, there's yeah, a jug yeah, of yeah, water. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Here. There we go. Yeah. And if this was just a house, then there wouldn't be a jug of water. It's okay. This is <laughs> they had like they had us spiraling up these stairs, man, and it took hours. And it wasn't even like good pay. It was. It was like it wasn't like it had a huge buyout. It was going to yeah, make yeah. you a year. It was like a couple hundred bucks. I wait and I wait and I wait and I wait and I wait, and eventually we're getting through. And as I get there, they ask me to say my name and my agent on camera. And I do it. And before I, just as I finished, someone like, and we stop and someone pokes their head and they go, they're like, Hey, John, John, yeah, they pulled the, they pulled the ad, mate. We lost the funding on the ad. They pulled it in the room. And I was like, right. and then they were like, what? They're going, yeah, we lost it. We ain't got it. So I just sent everyone home. And then I was like, and they were like, well, thanks. You wait until the just, end, like I was, didn't you? And, I mean, it's yeah. ruined their day. They don't need to ruin your day. At least let you go. Three hours go, ah, waiting. Who knows? They'll, dude, <laughs> my favourite one, right? And this happened at Spotlight. It was, this is fucking brutal, man. So, you remember Kiss FM, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they had this commercial that played for their, for their video, music video channel. And it's like hot couples passionately making out. And that's Kiss, right? Yeah, and my agent, you know, I'm I'm waiting for Star Wars, and I want, but my agent's like, well, we think this will be good for you, this whatever this is. So they send me to this audition. <laughs> I get there, and in and and it took up two of the spotlight rooms. Like the reception hall wow. was just jam packed on this floor, and the first thing I noticed was everyone had their headshots and portfolios. And I was like, mm, we don't do that in acting. So this is models. These are models that they've asked here. And everyone looks ridiculous. What am I doing here? Anyway, they're like, okay, everyone. So you always get that fucking cocky English dude. So I'm, all right, guys, all right, let, we'll let you know what's going on right now. So um, what we'll have you do, yeah, is uh, in the commercial, you're going to have to kiss each other. We're going to have you kiss and we'll pair you up for like, like for 30 seconds. But before we get you to kiss... We're going to each individually call you out and you're just going to do a, a quick bit to camera. Tell us about yourself and then we'll decide who we're going to pair you off to do the passionate kiss with. All right. And I was just like, oh, this is fucking okay. <laughs> so they start doing that one by one. I go in and they're like, what's your name? We do that. Tell us a funny story, whatever they make you do, do the alphabet backwards, do some jumping jacks. And so <clears throat> you, don't, you go, you jump through those hoops and like, cool go back into the room and I look around. I'm like, Oh God, what girl are they going to pair me with here? Like I'm fucking scared and nervous. I don't know anyone. There's no relationship here. I can't talk to them. I'm just going to have to just start making out. Um, and then the guy comes back to the clipboard and goes, all right, guys, we're going to start pairing up. Um, if I read your name on the list that I've got here, uh, we won't need you for the second part. You can just go. All right. So, uh, Rahul Kohli, And there was no other names. <laughs> so in a room full of these beautiful people, I was basically told, get the fuck out. Thank you for wasting our time. We don't even want to see you. Kid. We don't want to put another actor through the uncomfortable uh, uh, 30 <laughs> seconds of kissing your ugly are. And I had to get up out of spotlight and go, see you later. Cool. And I left. And then they all carried on with their kissing. And it was like those things just like, you, you know, you, 
you believe in yourself and and they but they do man they just fucking chip and yeah, chip man. and chip and chip and and I was stupid enough to allow that stuff to chip at me for eight years. And then Rob Thomas comes along with iZombie and he's like, wanna be wanna be one of the leads? Easy there you go, have that. And then, you know, Mike Flanagan's the same, you know. I well, audition for Bly and he's like, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about that, because Bly has been one of the, the hits of, of of the pandemic as such. And you're straight mm. on to another project mm-hmm. with Mike, right? So how was that to be part of it? Obviously there's pressure on it because it was because the haunting of Hill House kind of came out of nowhere and everyone adored yeah. it. And now you're in the yeah. follow-up, but they're not, it's not a follow-on. It's not, no. do you know what I mean? It's a new thing. How was that to get that role and then for it to finally drop? I mean, it was, it was exciting because of Hill House. Like yeah. I remember when that dropped and, because it, it because I, I guess because <clears throat> it wasn't like a name, it wasn't like you were doing Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the TV show. Yeah. I don't think it it didn't come with any kind. No one had any expectations for this show, yeah. and then it dropped, and it was word of mouth. Like I know people at work and stuff were like, "Yo, have you watched Hill House? It's fucking scary, dude!" Like, and and then you know I started seeing articles about hidden ghosts, and then the episode that was a one shot. That was, you yeah, know, to make man. it look like the, the, there was five cuts in it just to make it yeah. look like it was one seamless take. And so when I was auditioning and it was like, I was auditioning for Hill House season two, I was like, oh, it'd be amazing to get this because this is big. This is like one of now, this is one of Netflix's biggest shows. But I didn't think I was going to book it. And then the same thing happened. Like I did a really shit tape with my mum because she was the only one who could do it with me because I was in London at the time and my mum can't act. And my mum doesn't know how to like. I was gonna say doesn't know how to read, but you know what I mean. There's a certain <laughs> there's a certain way you read in this as a scene Completely. partner that ain't normal reading. Yeah, and it was a fucking nightmare. But we booked it weirdly, me and her. A week <laughs> later, and they were like, we, my my manager wanted to speak to my mum, and my sweet mum was just they were, they were like, congratulations, you were amazing on the tape. You know, we wanted you come out to LA for the premiere. We would have done all of that if COVID hadn't have happened. Obviously, they oh, wanted man. to like, celebrate my mum a bit. Yeah. But yeah, like then I I think once once I read the scripts, um, I was I was excited, man, because I I I didn't get all of it. I think I only got the first four or five eps, and I wasn't like I didn't I didn't see my character as like oh this is fucking awesome, man. I can't wait to cook sausages and tell puns. I was like <laughs> oh there's not really much like I didn't have a centric episode either, so I was a bit like oh well. I'm just going to enjoy myself. I'm going to take the pressure off myself. I've got nothing to do. I'm just going to be sweet, support my cast and be, be the best supporting actor I can be in and out of work on this show. Yeah. And even when I had my first meeting with Mike, I said the same thing. Cause he was like, is there anything I could do for you? Is this like, what can we do? And I was like, not really. I'll show up. I'll do the job. I'll, I'll make sure I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll keep everything going. I'll give you what you want. I'll keep it clean. Yeah. And that was it. And that, so it was like, like I'd go in, do it, go home, play Nintendo, play the PlayStation. That was my whole experience. There wasn't, I wasn't like burnt out, wasn't up against it. I didn't think I was this kind of like going to get any type of recognition or I just was, I, I, I believed in the show as a whole. I knew that they would, it would, it would be received well as a whole, but I didn't think there was going to be any type of personal accolade yeah. or anything. But then the best thing happened that could have happened, you know, it's great to see a show do well. It's great to see 
you know, your co-stars be lauded and people want Tania, who played Hannah Grace, to win an award. I agree. I'd love seeing yeah. that for her. I know that she put a lot of work into it. But the best thing I got out of that show was, I think we started filming in August in Vancouver. And Mike starts, like, doing the sizing up. And then around about, like, November, he asked me to meet him when I was back in LA at his office. And he was like, I've got a role for you. I want to make you an offer for Midnight Mass. I was like, oh, shit, gave me the pitch. One of the best things I've ever heard. I was like, I said yes on the spot. And he was like, no, you're supposed to speak to your team and yeah. read it. And I was like, yeah. no, don't offer this role to anyone. It's mine. Yes. And so then halfway through Bly, I was already like, I'm off to do fucking Midnight Mass. Straight away, there was two weeks. We'd finish oh. and I'd have, I'd have two weeks to turn the character over. But COVID could happen. Yeah. <clears throat> so it was it gave me an extra five months prep. Which I don't know showed in the final product of I don't know if I used my five months perfectly uh, as best I could have for research and, and, and stuff, but yeah, that's the best. I thing think it's interesting though, man. I think I I I'm I'm I feel the the delays of the pandemic I think there's something weird. I think even just l- living a little longer with a character do you know what I mean? You don't have to be working on it every day, but say you work on it on Monday, that work is going to kind of ruminate around and yeah, stew a yeah. bit and, and develop. And I, like, I've had a, f- a few moments like with the project I'm on that I'm like climbing the walls because of delays and everything else. But then at other points, I'm like, actually, I figured some stuff out that seems minor, but it wouldn't have been there otherwise. Yeah. And it feels like I've I've got a better grasp of who this character is see i'd love to agree with you on that and tell you that it, you know that the extra five months was was good <laughs> but the problem is the role and i can't talk about it at all it's like yep. star wars secrecy almost yeah, yeah, the way yeah. they're treating midnight mass so i've got to navigate this properly here the role i was being offered was nothing like i've ever played before and it's pulling me out of comfort zones Right. That make me very uncomfortable to the point where I almost didn't want to do it. To the point where I was like, I gotta tell Mike I'm not I'm not I'm not the man for the job. Hmm. I can't put this on me. I was so nervous and I had so much anxiety and so much imposter syndrome. The only thing that was getting me through it was I was doing Bly, so I was distracted and I wasn't overthinking. I was like, I'm just gonna fucking jump out of the plane. I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to jump. I've got two weeks to cram and then we're just going to fucking hit the ground running and I'm just going to, I'm just going to jump in the deep end and be done with it and I'll figure it out. Okay. And I, and I kept telling myself like, it's good as an artist to be scared and nervous. That's when you're, you know, that's, that's the biggest learning experiences right now. Just yeah. do it. And everyone's telling me, like, I wanted to, t- I was telling so many people, I was like, I'm fucking scared. I don't know what to do. I shouldn't have taken this. I'm the worst man for the job. He should have got someone better. What's he done? I'm going to let him down. Just rip the bandaid off, man. Just rip it off. Just mm. do it and you'll be grateful for it. All right, fine. I'll do it. I won't overthink it. Bang. Five <laughs> months lockdown. And I, dude, for five months, I sat just fucking like, couldn't talk about it. Don't want to do the work. Couldn't read it. Don't remind me about it. Every time I got an email, we're thinking of coming back in a month. We're thinking of coming back this month. And I had that every month, this anxiety. By the time I arrived on set in August, I was a fucking mess. 
<laughs> I just was like, I, I, that there was no Band-Aid. It was the slowest freaking peel and pouring salt on it. Just yeah. like, dude. So it, it worked against me in that respect. Yeah. I, I should never have had that long to stew with how bad I'm going to be at the, in, How in this out role. of your depth you're going to be when you get there. Yeah. Yeah. So it worked, it worked against me. But in theory, where it worked for you, yeah, that it would have been amazing if it was something a bit more in my wheelhouse and yeah. I was a bit more comfortable and I was, I'd have been like, yeah, let's fucking dive in, man. Let's really get into this. But instead, like I said, it was, it was, it's like standing at that bungee jump thing for five months. And they're like, yeah. we'll, we'll get there. Hold on. And you're just looking down like, like, can I just yep. fucking jump? In a minute. Yeah. Man, that's harsh. Well, I mean, <laughs> and we spoke early on of of, of grand g- pandemic gestures like Imagine. Mm. We kind of <laughs> came into each other's worlds because of a grand pandemic g- a g- a gesture from Mr. Mike Bithell. And that yeah. was one that worked. Like, he reached out to me. He's worked with Dan Lassac before, who I used to do music with. And he'd seen I'd moved into acting. He'd caught a few of the things I'd done. And he reached out about this sci-fi audio drama. Um, yeah. And it was one of them where it was exactly as as you said. He kind of, as soon as he gave half a description, I was like, yep, yeah, I'll do that. I've got good recording equipment. Yeah. It sounds good. Let's do it. In many ways, I think it was as the world was starting to lose all order and path and knowing what's happened. It was like, it'll be cool to have yeah. something that I know I'm doing regardless of anything yeah. else. And it was and great fun. It's called North Star Rising, I should mention, but how did it come about with you? Do you know, Mike, because we're not even touched upon, I mean, we're not going to have time now, I don't think, but you've done, you've, we touched upon it br- briefly. You've done loads in the game industry as well. Um, oh, is that where I've you done met a couple Mike? Of things. Yeah, I've done a couple of things. I've done more like, YouTuber gaming stuff, but in terms right, of like yeah, as an yeah, actor, yeah. yeah, I did like um, I I, I done uh, Gears of War and Rage and some some stuff, but like um, Mike came into my life in like 2017. He DM'd me and was like, "Can I Skype with you about a project?" I don't know if I should be talking about this, but <laughs> initially, Mike had a game and he wanted to cast me as the lead. And this is before I'd done Gears. This was while I was still on my zombie and it was still early. And I was like, are you fucking serious? Yes, please. Yes, 100%. The game didn't happen. Other projects uh, came about. But Mike and I stayed in contact. And we used to, when I'd go to London, I'd go out for a pint with Mike. When Mike came out to LA, I'd take him out for a Guinness. So we just became mates because he's a fucking awesome dude. Yeah. And um, and then, yeah, he just hit me up about the audio play. Because he was like, we still need to work together. So let's make good on that. It's been three years. Let's make good on it. Are you able to do it? And I lost my shit when I heard you narrate it. Great. You're fucking all, <laughs> dude, I could listen to you talk all day. Like it was just, as soon as I, 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 it was just so warm and relate. I don't know, man. Like you just got this wonderful voice, but. Um, I really enjoyed it. I don't know if Mike, you know. Again, I was the same. I'd not worked with Mike before. And it was like, yeah. I, I knew of him. I'm. I game, but I'm a console guy. And most of Mike's stuff yeah. at that point had been PC. So I was like, Dan Lassac had been telling me about it. He plays all of it. And I was like, I know of this guy, but I don't really know his Did shit. Did you do so- Thomas Was Alone? No, I've never played it. Ah, okay. Because yeah, yeah. that was console, but... Yeah. yeah, I'll get it. I'll get it. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm looking for... I bought my PlayStation out with me. So I'll, uh, yeah. 
I might have to grab that. But yeah, um, and we just, the first time we met was over Zoom. It's the only time we met. And he was kind of directing me doing my record. And yeah, we had great yeah. fun. He's he's a really good guy. And like, if he's ever, if you ever have the opportunity to, you should go out for a pint with him. He's just, yeah. he's just an awesome dude. But he has a knack for picking narrators. That's why I said it, because right. the one of the biggest strengths of Thomas was alone was its simplicity, but it was its narration. And when you hear yeah. that narration and then you go and listen to you do North Star Rising, it's the same quality. And I was like, amazing. I, he, I he's just that. got this knack for knowing, he knows the voice you want to hear the whole yeah. time. But if I don't know if you know, if you remember episode one? Do you remember how echoey we all were on the spaceship? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? That's because my audio equipment was so shit. They had to put a <laughs> fake echo on everyone for the first episode. <laughs> so that's why we sound like that. Because it was me. Because I'm not set up for it. And I was so mortified that, like, you gun, you know, you had done this wonderful job and and, he, and Sam and everyone else that was everyone, involved with yeah. it. And then I came along and, I'm a, and was a fuck. I fucked it up for everyone. So now it all echoed in the ship. I literally I like, that. I went out and just dropped a stupid amount of money on like a microphone, a sound, like a, a, a whatever, a sound yeah. diffuser and all of this shit. So that by episode two, I was like, okay, I'll step my game up. I'm really sorry about that. Um, but yeah, I it was a great it. little project, man. But you were awesome. I, I could, like I said, I could listen to you talk all day. It was fucking Mate, awesome. I just loved, again, because it was mad. I don't know. It's weird because... I was doing all of it, but not hearing any of it, if you know what I mean. Because yeah, I'm narrating yeah, yeah. throughout. I'm not. I'm never knowing how it's all going to uh, uh, tie together. So the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, shit, that's what we did. I had no yeah, idea yeah, we yeah, did yeah. that. And in my mind, yeah. it was just this little, I'm sitting in my little st- studio at my house, just rambling away. But yeah. It was great. Yeah, it was awesome. And it was, and it was free. And I thought yeah. like, and, and, and that's Mike getting it right. Do you yeah, want just a sweet completely. story during the like that pandemic? No one's been paid. We just want to put it out there f- because yeah. maybe you Let's want to it. have a bit of escapism. And I thought Mike, Mike, yeah, it was great. And um, I always forget. I should post that more often. I, I would love more people to listen to that. I always forget. Yeah, to do so that. I'm gonna do another weird, post for. It's North a weird Star. one, isn't it? Because the pandemic has been like a decade long. It feels like yeah. like you think North Star Rising feels so long ago. But that's a yeah. project that we worked on this year. It came out. It got good response. All back. this kind of thing. It's like it feels so many projects and so many years ago. But dude, yeah. my birthday last year was at a bar. I dressed up as Obi Wan Kenobi. Went to a Star Wars bar in LA. That feels Amazing. like pre-wars. A different time when you used yeah. to go out and get a drink and go out and, and get fucked up and get a kebab after all of that stuff. And yeah. this year, it's it's my birthday's this week on Friday, and I'm like. And everyone's like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know. Watch Netflix. Maybe order a fucking pizza. It's a pandemic. But like yeah. looking at just what happened 12 months ago, it couldn't be like, it just feels like I, I've, I've had three birthdays in between that. Like yeah. it feels so long ago. It's, it's wild how, how it's fucked with our perception of time. Yeah, completely. Well, before I ask you what's ahead, which is always the hardest question for anyone in this industry because you can't talk about <laughs> shit. But one of the things that... As soon as I became aware of you, one of the things I liked and connected with was I like your your openness and your openness to hustle on social media. Like those two things. Like I'm, I I have mates in the industry who roll their eyes because I'll happily say, "Yo, I'd love to be in this show. Like this show, yeah. I want to. I'd love to be part of that." Man, this blows my mind. 
I'm happy to be openly excited about this industry. And one of the things that, that you've been openly excited about recently is indeed Star Wars and, and, and hustling to try and get a specific, a sp- a specific role. Yeah. How's that been? And how's it been how is it when people start to get excited behind it and things like that? And you're like, because you always have that doubt of, is this like a fucking Mando's card? Is the fact that I've, I've expressed an interest means I can never have one? Like, how does yeah. this work? It's like they say that would I didn't know that's well. how Nando's worked. The, the, the Nando's the, black card, apparently, if, card. if you ask for it, you can't get one. Fuck me. I think I might have asked for it years ago. Oh, I had a funny one because I got in a row with Nando's because <laughs> they accused me of asking for one and I hadn't. I'd, I'd been offered one at one point. Like, if I was, I was playing a festival and they, they said, if you DJ our Nando's tent or whatever, I will give you a black card. And I couldn't do it. I was busy. And I mentioned it at some point, and they were like, can't have one if you ask for one. I was like, I've not asked for one. I've told, I've said that it's, so now, yeah, I'm, I think I'm on the Nando's black but you list, could have, but yeah. you could have had one if you had done the gig. Yeah, yeah, but I couldn't make it work. Oh, that's, that's a big deal to the it's Brits. It's a mad one, isn't it? But I did that get, is. I've, I've got it, I've brought it out here with me, even though it's completely invalid. I, I was, I believe, the first person to get a Ben and Jerry's black card, which, which, which I can take card. in. Yeah, they're, they're fucking genuinely rare. I go in like I'd go into a scoop shop or wherever else, just go bang. <laughs> here's my free Ben and Jerry's. Oh, that's hit. awesome! And they're I had so no idea rare. They had that. They're so rare that almost every time I've used it, they've pretty much just given me my free ice cream out of confusion because they obviously don't like as if the staff because they don't even know what the process yeah, is to fucking. Like, All right, I guess. Like a couple of times. They've gone and checked with a manager, and he's he's looked it all up, and it's fine. But yeah. other times, they've kind of gone, yeah. I, I, not that people should make their own Ben and Jerry's black cards and just try and blag it. <laughs> not that I'm suggesting that, but I'm pretty sure that's, that's awesome. what some staff thought I've done. But yeah, I've, I've enjoyed your enthusiasm to go. Look, here's a role. Here's a character that isn't out there yeah. yet in the Star Wars universe, and I want them because. Well, it looks like me. I know the character. Let's do it. I know it looks. I know it looks like panhandling to a lot of people, and fuck them. Like, look, couldn't agree. Eight more. years, I wasn't allowed. Like, I, I, you know, eight years, I could barely get a line in a fucking TV show. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And now, when I say I want something or I express interest, people listen. And mm. I've waited almost a decade to like. I, I, I don't know how long I've got. That's the other thing. This yeah. could be taken away from something I do, something someone else does. I could be in a show so terrible that's got nothing to do with me, but that show could be put around my neck and I could be drowned with it. And that's yeah. my career done. So I'm just having fun. I want to play characters and I want to tick things off in boxes. I wanted to be in a video game. I've got Gears of War. You know, yeah. I've ticked that off. Because I remember I told you one of the first jobs I wanted to do was make a video game. In yeah. a way, I sort of being yeah. part of that, it, it ticked that box. So, mate, I have the Star Wars. I've, the amount of people I have moan at me that on here, anytime I have a director or or whatever that I'm a fan of, how quickly I mention that I'm an actor and that I did this show on the BBC and this and that. They're <laughs> like, you're just trying to get work. I'm like, yeah. yeah. I'm, 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 I'm sat down for an hour with someone I fucking would dream of working of. Of course I'm going to mention that, particularly if we're having a connection and we're feeling yeah. like we're vibing because that's one of the most important things on set. Like the best sets I've worked on is when we have that connection and we're all working Absolutely. and vibing. So, yeah, I take no Absolutely. shame in that, in panhandling no, or, or whatever I mean, they want to call it. I, I think, like, the other issue is, I'm going to get heavy again, Go. is race. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not the first face you think of or race when fan casting. Doesn't happen. Yeah. It goes it goes white first, then it will go black for alternative. That's usually where the things go. Yeah. Especially where race bending like existing characters exist where in, in, in comic book and film, you don't look at Spider-Man and think of Indian dude for the alternative or Superman, you think of white. And then if you are going to think about, well, could we change the race? It's usually for, 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 for black actors, which is fantastic. But for me, I just have to use what little voice I do to see if I can also be mentioned in the fan casting. And that's all yeah. it is because you won't think, you don't think of me for that. And I know that the only reason, like one of the ones I get mentioned for the most is um, uh, Fantastic Four. Yeah. So as Mr. Fantastic, and I think that's only because I look like a bit like John Krasinski, who's what the fans want. And then there are other people that go, well, why not have brown John Krasinski and have him do it? <laughs> and the thing is, the only reason I lean into it is because the kid who wanted to be Batman, the kid who wanted to be James Bond, the kid who wanted to be in Star Wars, he, it's, it's no longer just one voice. I know it's not people in the industry. It, it's a few hundred here, but it... it it makes me feel good that that for some people that they can see that they yeah. can see me driving Aston Martin, or they can see me, you know, in in in, in Fantastic Four or in Doctor Who. So it's more it's rather than it be a real concrete thing that I'm trying to force myself. Because the truth of the matter is, what people don't know, which I don't talk about, is I have auditioned for stuff. I've yeah. also booked some of the big stuff, the stuff that I talk about, and had to turn it down. So. Yeah. Those are the stuff that no one hears about. But in terms of celebrating fan casting and celebrating that, like, that's just, that's more like, like I said, the kid that made his own Superman costume and all of that stuff, that just appeals to that. And then some of these guys, they're so talented. You know, you say you want to be Kyle Katarn, the Star Wars uh, character from the from the Dark Forces Jedi Knight series. And then someone goes off for 30 hours with a, with a digital, with their digital brush. And makes it happen. It's fucking Mind awesome, blowing, right? Yeah, yeah. And they might not do that next year because next year I might send a tweet that gets me <laughs> cancelled, or they just I'm really shit in a show. And then when I say Mr. Fantastic, they go fuck off, and then yeah. and, and then no one cares. So while they yeah. care, yeah, I want my drawings, and I'm just enjoying the fan casting of it. But I never think it's serious. I don't think like Dave Filoni's going to call me on Mandalorian now and go. We saw your tweet about Ezra and uh, we've given in to your pressure. It doesn't work good like point. that. It's not going to work. Good, good, good point. Let's make it happen. That's, yeah, yeah. It's not going to be yeah, that. That's not how he's made a career for himself. Is I'm not DiCaprio. If I was Leo and I went, I really enjoy Mandalorian, they would be on his ass so yeah. fast. I'm not, yeah. I don't, I'm not even close to that kind of power. So it's just for me and my community. Uh, they would recast Baby Yoda with Leonardo DiCaprio. Absolutely. They would. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, they did that with, uh, there's a great documentary, <laughs> uh, mini documentary on, on, um, the extras DVD of extras. Right. And what Steve Merchant and Ricky Gervais did was any celebrity that they loved, who mentioned that they loved The Office, they tracked down to see if they could get them on extras, because why not? Love if it. you liked one show, get us on their hustling. And that's why they hit up, like, they got Jude Law, but Jude Law then became Patrick Stewart. But that's how they they, they got De Niro, because he had said in a soundbite that he liked The Office. DiCaprio said he loved The Office, and he loved Gervais. And there's a whole documentary about those two not being able to contact his reps. It's like a wow. short behind the scenes. They cannot, you cannot get to this guy, dude. Even if you're Ricky Gervais and he says he wants That's to be in your amazing. shit, you cannot get to him. 
You don't know who his reps are. That's mind-blowing. I love yeah. that shit. Well, yeah. it's a perfect place to wrap things up. What is ahead? Is there anything that you can shout about or want to shout about? Where can people follow mm. you or become offended by your social media posts? <laughs> so, the, yeah, the, all the offence starts at um, Rahul Coley 13 It's the same uh, handle for Twitter, Instagram. And I, I am, while I'm in Vancouver killing time and getting through the show. I'm, I'm going on Twitch right now and doing a few streams who are there. I'm going to build Amazing. a Lego set soon. That'll be my next one I want to do. Love um, it. We're in a bubble, innit? So I just figured it'd be honestly, nice to talk to people. prior to the pandemic, I hadn't watched any Twitch at all during mm. since the pandemic. At the moment, in Vancouver in particular, I'm watching at least two, three hours a day, m- yeah. minimum. And it's like, it it's just a feels good- like you- it's beating Netflix at times. It's beating HBO at times. It's like, no, that's, yeah, yeah, my, yeah. that's my priority is I need to catch up. It's like having a mate on the couch playing a video 100%. game while you're watching, you know, and just yeah. getting on with your own shit. Um, but yeah, so that's going on. Um, things in the pipeline really is Midnight Mass, um, but I can't say when or where. <laughs> well, I can say where. It's Netflix, uh, but yeah, I can't say when. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm hopefully... We'll see what happens because I haven't been home. I've been a bit of a nomad trying to figure out visas and stuff to try and get back to America. So once I get once I get home, once we wrap this, we'll see what what's next. Because yeah, we'll it's, it's a weird one. It's weird that like from my p- p- position, I'm in Vancouver. I can't go home for Christmas. I can't no, go and, and you won't be able to and, re-enter. I can't go and, vi- and visit friends in LA. Like I've had a lot of time off in this time. I can't go anywhere. But equally. Friends can't come and visit me, and so on and so forth, because of all the restrictions. It's yeah. it's a, f- a fucking weird one, but um, it is weird, yeah. yeah. But we, you know, we 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 have each other, and we have uh, we have a job, so yeah. that's you know keeping things good. But yeah, the, the restriction of travel Completely. and the bubble, like I'm, I I feel bad because I, I know a lot of cast members on this show had watched Die Zombie and. They're, they're, younger and they were like oh we're working with roll oh, i love his work and then they were excited and i was like i ain't fucking hanging out with you lot i'm in a bubble yeah. so i'm what do you, you know what i mean so i feel so bad because i'm like they're like what did you do for the weekend i i watch tv and i had a guinness i don't leave i'm not seeing anyone 100%. i don't want to get covid i, I don't want to be the guy that brings the production when we were organizing this because you were like i'm in vancouver and i was like oh wicked i mean we'll still do it over zoom though but <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're literally like a few blocks away and we're on Zoom right now. It's crazy. We're still like, no, no, but let's not hang out smart in a room thing together. To yeah, completely. Well, we're, we're responsible. We don't want to bring a production to its knees. You, know, exactly you don't want to be that, that person. That's the thing. And to round things up from where we started, that's the thing that America and the UK don't realise is the pan in pandemic means all. So this is a pandemic. This is everyone. The whole world is in this situation. And the worse the UK and America handle it, the slower everyone else can get back to get like so many other countries have got it under control but can't get back to normal because of the selfish countries who are focused on them individually are we going to miss christmas how about all the muslim countries who who missed ramadan who missed all different things because they were being responsible with a pandemic it's not about us as individuals us choosing to not go out it's because we don't want to fuck up a whole production and that that is the simple thing there it's not about Oh, but I'm young. I'm probably not going to get ill. It's like, yeah, there's a whole world. Yeah. Pan is all. And you and I are COVID tested to what? Two, three times a week. Yeah. Yeah. So we know we're not. We know we probably are all right. But it doesn't matter. Because why? 
why do it? Why? Yeah. Practice what you preach, man. I'm glad we did it like this. Well, but we will have been... a drink in person one day. Yes, indeed. It's been a pleasure, man. Um, and I hope it all continues to go well. I look forward to, to, to bumping into you in open air at some point in the future. Likewise, man. And good luck with the rest of the show. Thank you, mate. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was Raul. It's occurred to me as we've finished that um, you've probably seen the Polaroid and seen that we're together and then been confused at first that we're doing it over Zoom. But we addressed that quite early, right? That we're both being responsible adults. But I figured I'm doing all these cut-out photo Polaroids. If I'm in the same city as someone and we can meet outside in masks and take a quick snap, then why the heck not? Um, Hope you enjoyed that, guys. I'll be back next week. I've got so many good episodes lined up and on the way this ship ain't stopping thank you for tuning in i hope you're all okay it's a weird year isn't it but i'll be back next week we will always have the podcast guys we will always have the podcast i mean we might not i've been really busy and struggling to get them out every week at the moment but i've recorded some special backup ones in case i get really stuck so yeah (laughs) can you tell that i've not recorded next week's yet when this comes out I've not recorded next week's, but I've got two lined up to record this week that hopefully I've had to move them a few times. Don't know why I'm telling you all this, but I've got some secret backups, some secret special edition versions I've recorded that you're going to, I think, hopefully go crazy for, but um, I'm holding them for when I really need them. Anyway, rambling outro. I will see you all. Is there anything I need to tell you about? I don't think so. New Pod Bible magazine out any day now. Um, keep an eye out for that goodness um, and check the previous issues at podbiblemag.com. I'll see you all next week. Ta ta.